Well, good morning. It is Friday. Friday, for those of you who care, most of us work the weekends. I know I will be. Uh, Friday, February 24th, 2023. Friday, February 24th, 2023. Slava Ukraine. Heroium Slava. One year ago, one year ago today, in the early morning, Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine, beginning Russia's unjust war in Ukraine. Uh, this is the one-year anniversary. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll tell your friends to Google Political Views TV Podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the uh, search. Man, do I appreciate you. Every single day that you come and listen to me, thank you so much. It's very nice of you. If you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. Tweet to me questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Maybe you want to send me a news story. Maybe you want to say hi. Whatever. It's cool. Uh, Go to the Twitter. Uh, By the way, it is Friday, so don't forget to look for Friday's flaming ball, uh, a bag of crap left on your doorstep. That's when politicians usually, sometimes it's corporations, drop something into the uh, late day, some news into the late day, in the hopes that it'll disappear in the 24-hour news cycle. Um, and it usually does. I try and keep on top of it if I can find something. Let's start with the uh, with the war in Ukraine. And man, if you can imagine, yeah, let me look at the let me look at these papers. About three pages. If you can imagine being a one year uh, anniversary, there's a lot of uh, news going on. Uh, the United Nations General Assembly has again condemned Russia over its invasion of Ukraine, calling for Moscow's immediate withdrawal and end to the fighting. Some 141 countries backed the resolution calling for a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace in Ukraine, while 32 countries abstained from the vote. Seven countries, including Russia, voted against it. Uh, Let me see. I'm going to say Russia, Iran, North Korea. Hmm. I'm not sure about the other four, but I'm sure you could figure it out. You're smart. Uh, King Charles III has uh, praised Ukraine's remarkable courage and resilience on the first anniversary of Russia's invasion. He said in a statement, It has now been a year that the people of Ukraine have suffered an unimaginable, uh, unimagine, unimagine, unimaginably, wow, why am I having such trouble, from an unprovoked full-scale attack on their nation. They have shown truly remarkable courage and resilience in the face of such human tragedy. The world has watched in horror at at all the unnecessary suffering inflicted upon Ukrainians. I can only hope the outpouring of solidarity from across the globe may bring not only practical aid, but also strength from the knowledge that together we stand united. That was uh, King Charles III. Uh, The ridiculousness of China's peace plan is not completely apparent yet, but you can't imagine uh, it getting Russia out of Ukraine entirely. Ukraine's first deputy foreign minister, Amin Zaporova, uh, 
said, we welcome any initiative that is actually aimed at finding peace and resolving the war. We are the country that is most interested in having any kind of peace because we've been suffering this hell for a year. The document that we received today in the morning is called The Political Position of China About the Crisis. We will study it thoroughly. The only thing that I want to clarify is what is the basis for this peace, because we believe in justice and fair peace, not appeasement. Uh, Mikhail Podliak uh, made his remarks after China presented the 12-point plan. He said in a tweet, any peace plan with ceasefire only and as a result a new uh, delimitation line and continued occupation of Ukrainian territory isn't about peace, but about freezing the war, a Ukrainian defeat, and the next stages of Russia's genocide. Ukraine's position is known, the withdrawal of Russian troops to the borders of 1991. I have a feeling China wants Ukraine to give up Crimea and maybe Kharkiv, Luhansk, and Donetsk oblasts, and maybe even all the way to the Dnipro River, including Zaporizhia. Uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant and the city of Zaporizhia. Um, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has said China's interest in the war is not bad. He said at a news conference, China has shown its thoughts. I believe that the fact that China started uh, talking about Ukraine is not bad. But the question is what follows the words. The question is, what follows the words? Uh, The question is in the steps and where they will lead. Uh, Zelensky added there were points in the Chinese proposals that he agreed with, and there are also those that we don't. But it's something. So it's basically a, uh, this is all basically just political posturing. It's obviously a bad police plan, but but they don't want to uh, anger China. They want to say, oh, this is, a, this is a nice document, and give them a nice pat on the head. But that's all it is. Um, today, the Pentagon announced a new package of long-term security assistance for Ukraine, marking the first anniversary of Russia's invasion with a $2 billion commitment to send more rounds of ammunition and a variety of uh, small, high-tech drones into the fight. In a statement Friday, the Pentagon said that the aid includes weapons to counter Russia's unmanned uh, systems and several types of drones, including the upgraded Switchblade 600 Kamikaze drone, as well as electronic warfare detection equipment. It also includes money for additional ammunition for high-mobility artillery rocket systems, uh, which is the uh, HIMARS uh, systems. Um, Artillery rounds and munitions for laser-guided rocket systems. But in an unusual uh, move, the Pentagon provided no details on how many rounds of any kind will be bought, including the latest package. The U.S. has now committed more than $32 billion in security assistance to Ukraine since Russia's invasion. Biden met virtually Friday with other G7 leaders and Zelensky to continue coordinating our efforts to support Ukraine. Those efforts include what the uh, White House called sweeping sanctions on over 200 people and entities to further degrade Russia's economy and diminish its ability to wage war against Ukraine. 
The Biden administration will also further restrict exports to Russia and raise tariffs on some Russian products imported to the U.S. Also, G7 countries will continue to keep Russia's sovereign assets immobilized until there's a resolution to the conflict. The White House has said the United States will impose a 200% tariff on aluminum and derivatives produced in Russia effective from March 10th. Washington will also apply a 200% tariff on aluminum imports with any amount of primary aluminum smelted or cast in Russia starting on April 10th. The G7 is taking actions against third country actors materially supporting Russia's war in Ukraine. The bloc said in a statement, the G7 bloc said, we call on third countries or other international actors who seek to evade or undermine our measures to cease providing material support to Russia's war or face severe costs. To deter this activity around the world, we are taking actions against third country actors materially supporting Russia's war in Ukraine. And I wonder if India will be included in that. Uh, On the one-year anniversary of the war, Poland says it has delivered four Leopard 2s uh, tanks to uh, Ukraine, the first such battle tanks to be supplied to Kiev's western, uh, by Kiev's western allies. Uh, President uh, uh, Andrzej Duda said in his opening remarks to a meeting of Poland's National Security Council in Warsaw, the Prime Minister couldn't be here. He went to Kiev to bring Leopard tanks, which are the first batch delivered to Ukraine. Matus Morawiecki said, we were able to transfer our tanks very uh, we were able to uh, transfer our tanks very soon also in a few days we are delivering very good P- pt91 tanks and 60 tanks will come to ukraine uh, germany says it will deliver a further four tanks to ukraine taking its overall commitment to 18 units while sweden announces plan to deliver 10 leopard tanks and anti-air systems from its own stocks the australian government has said it will send more drones to ukraine to aid its fight against russia it has also imposed new targeted financial uh, sanctions against 90 russian individuals and 40 entities um, They did not say specifically how many drones would be shipped, the models involved, or whether they would be armed. Prime Minister Anthony Albany said in a statement, We continue to stand with Ukraine. The uncrewed aerial systems provide a battlefield intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance capability for the Ukrainian armed forces. So that would indicate to me the drones are for um, uh, uh, reconnaissance instead of armed. Could be wrong. I I don't know. They could be armed. White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby said the White House believes Moscow might provide Iran, Iran with fighter jets and other military equipment in exchange for Iran's expanded support for Russia's war in Ukraine. Kirby told reporters the U.S. had information that Iran had shipped artillery and tank rounds to Russia in November and Russia was offering unprecedented defense cooperation in return, including on missiles, electronics, and fighter jets. He said Iran was also seeking to buy attack helicopters, radars, and combat trainer aircraft. Uh, Russia, speaking of Russia, 
Russia is trying to expand its war. Russia's, Russia's foreign ministry has warned that any actions threatening its peacekeepers in Moldova's breakaway region of Transnistria will be seen as a direct attack on Russia. Peacekeepers? You seize land that doesn't belong to you and you call yourself peacekeepers? Really? <laughs> the ministry said any action that threatens their security will be considered an in, uh, under international law as an attack on the Russian Federation. I, I, it can't be considered that under an international law. Transnistria is an illegal, unrecognized region. You know, we've talked about it before. The toenail of Moldova. It can't be considered under international law as an attack on the Russian Federation because it's not recognized under international law. Anyway. Uh, that nutball, Medvedev, opened his mouth again. He was talking about the future after they take Ukraine, that the borders would have to be decided. He said that that is why it is so important to achieve all the goals of the special military operation, to push back the borders that threaten our country as far as possible, even if they are the borders of Poland. I, it's possible It's possible this meant to the borders of Poland, but I don't see it as stopping there. We're talking about a current Russian leader who claims now that he wants to invade Poland. That's what it sounds like to me. It might not be that. I might be looking too deeply into it. Poland shares long eastern borders with Ukraine, Belarus, and a uh, frontier of some, uh, like, uh, 200 kilometers, something like that, about 125 miles, uh, in its northeastern uh, corner with uh, Kaliningrad, uh, right up next to um, the Baltic. Of course, any encroachment on Poland's borders would bring Russia for the first time into direct conflict with NATO and result in an Article 5 where NATO would be at war with Russia. Uh, the head of Russia's Wagner Group says his fighters have captured a village in, uh, um, village near Ukraine's eastern city of Bakhmut. Evgeny Prigozhin said in a statement released by his press service, uh, Berkivka is entirely under our control. Of course, this has not been able to be confirmed by anybody as of yet. Now that I have your attention, let's move on. Let's try and fix the rest of the world. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Let me get some coffee in here. Clear this throat. That was a lot of Russian news. Russian-Ukraine news. 15 minutes worth. Almost 15 minutes worth. <clears throat> According to U.S. officials, the U.S. is planning to increase the number of U.S. troops training Taiwanese forces in the coming months. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, Taiwan President uh, Tsai Ing-wen told a visiting bipartisan U.S. congressional delegation that the two militaries will cooperate even more closely and plan to bolster military exchanges. A congressional aide said enhanced military and economic ties have been the focal point of conversations with political, business, and military leaders. The Communist Party of China's disinformation and influence campaign against Taiwan should also be addressed through deeper cooperation with the United States. Of course, this is going to seriously piss off China. 
Okay, so on to the train derailment. As long as I covered some of the story yesterday, let's continue it. So the NTSB released a preliminary report on the train derailment uh, February 3rd in East Palestine, Ohio, Ohio, near the border of Pennsylvania. 11 of the 149 car, 9,000-foot train, nearly two miles, 11 of those cars carried toxic chemicals. Data was collected by Norfolk Southern uh, Defect Detectors, uh, devices built along railroad lines with sensors that detect and report problems with signals uh, and axles as trains pass by. They're called hot boxes. Uh, three such sensors were called uh, uh, sensors, also called hot box detectors, were located along 30 miles of track near East Palestine. They recorded increasing temperatures in the suspect we uh, in the suspect wheel bearing. Uh, the first detector recorded temperatures of 38 degrees Fahrenheit above the ambient temperature for car number 23. 11 miles later, a second detector recorded the bearing had reached 103 degrees above the ambient temperature. That's a jump of 60 some 65 degrees, something like that. Uh, anything over 170 degrees re- uh, uh, different from the ambient temperature requires the engineer to stop the train, according to Norfolk Southern's policies. But there doesn't seem to be a rule for a sudden change in temperature, which would have fixed this, which would have stopped it in time. Which to me would, and it would seem to be a better indicator of a problem, a sudden change in temperature, right? 103 degrees did not meet the requirements to stop the train. The third and final detector, located 19 miles later, just east of East Palestine, recorded 253 degrees Fahrenheit above ambient temperatures. 253 degrees. At that point, a uh, um, a uh, steel is getting close to red hot, right? What At what temperature does it get red hot? I would think something around there, right? Maybe maybe a slight slight bit of red. Such a high temperature that the train's uh, uh, crew was alerted to stop the train and inspect the bearing. The alarm went off. The, the engineer responded immediately to, bring, to begin bringing the train to a stop. But as the train decelerated, the wheel bearing failed. With 19 miles between detectors, the wheel bearing uh, heated beyond the train operator's ability to stop the train safely. It's possible if there was another sensor closer together, the engineer would have caught it in time. Uh, the NTSB said there was no evidence that the crew did anything wrong. The trains, which means that that um, uh, Norfolk uh, Southern is in deep doo-doo, or, uh, you know. Uh, the train's movements at the time of the derailment appeared to follow safety regulations. Investigators said it was traveling at 47 miles per hour, just under the maximum 50 uh, uh, miles per hour speed limit. Uh, positive train control and auto- automated, automated safety system was enabled and operational. The preliminary report released by the NTSB yesterday stopped short of declaring a conclusive cause of the derailment. <clears throat> if a train is carrying hazardous materials, the Department of Transportation requires that 
shipments be accompanied by shipping papers that include information about the type and quantity of materials being transported. The Department of Transportation also requires that certain hazardous materials be labeled and placarded in a way that communicates the risk to people who, who may come into contact with the shipment. But no one seems to know if Norfolk Southern did any of that. Uh, I believe the train car itself was placarded. Um, governor Mike DeMa- DeVi- DeWine, Republican Governor Mike DeWine, wanted to know why they were not required to release information on what hazards they were hauling. He said, this train apparently was not considered a high hazardous material train. Therefore, the railroad was not required to notify anyone here in Ohio about what was in the rail cars coming through our state. Calling that fact absurd. He said it was absurd. Mike DeWine, Republican, Mike DeWine, Governor Mike DeWine said that. But they used to be required to give that information out until Republicans rolled back those rules. This again, the Obama era rules that were rolled back by the Trump administration. In 2015, the Obama administration issued new rules for the transportation of hazardous materials by rail. The rules were intended to enhance the safety of rail transportation and reduce the risk of accidents involving trains carrying crude oil and other hazardous materials. One of the requirements of these rules was that railroads transporting crude oil and other hazardous materials must provide advance notification to the State Emergency Response Commission and Tribal Emergency Response Commissions of the routing and volume of shipments. This notification must include a description of the materials being transported, the expected frequency of the shipments, and information about the route being used. Additionally, the rules require that railroads provide this information to local communities upon request. The general requirement for railroads to provide advance notification of hazardous material shipments to emergency response commissions and to make this information available to local communities upon request applies to a wide range of hazardous materials transported by rail. The corporations fought against these laws and Trump rolled them back like a little bitch boy. Mike DeWine's party rolled them back and now they're screaming about why the Biden administration didn't have those rules in place. Think about that. It amazes me that the that Trump was able to vis, visit East Palestine, Ohio without being lynched for what he did. Rolling back those rules. Moving on. Uh, In that noose tightening around that bright orange neck, let me ask, where is the best place to hide documents you don't want anyone to find? Where there was already a search, of course. Trump's lawyers found a box of White House schedules, including some that were Mark Clark's classified, at his Mar-a-Lago resort in December, if you're doing the math. Yes, that was after the search. They did it because a junior aide to the former president had transported it from another office in Florida after the FBI completed its search of the property. At this time, 
The former president does not appear to have played a direct role in the mishandling of the box that could change, though he remains under investigation for the possible improper retention of national security documents and obstruction of justice. Known internally as RODUS, short for the receptionist of the United States, the junior aide initially kept the box at a converted guest bungalow at Mar-a-Lago called the Tennis Cottage. After Trump left office, uh, and she soon took it with her to a government-leased office in the Palm Beach area. The box remained at the government-leased office from where the junior aide worked through most of 2022. Around that uh, time, the Trump uh, that Trump returned to Mar-a-Lago for, uh, from his Bedminster Golf Club in New Jersey at the end of summer, the junior aide was told that she was being relocated to a desk in the uh, in the anteroom of Trump's own office at Mar-a-Lago that previously belonged to top aide Molly Michael. So you have a non-government aide with top secret documents moving them all over the state. Several weeks after the junior aide moved into her new workplace, federal prosecutors told Trump's lawyers in October that they suspected the former president was still in possession of of additional documents with classified markings despite the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago on the 8th of August. If you remember, Trump had contractors with clearance search everywhere for the documents. Trump Tower New York, Trump Bedminster Club, and an external storage unit that turned up two additional documents marked secret. But the Justice Department was not satisfied, and it pressed the Trump legal team to get the contractors to conduct the third known search at Mar-a-Lago in early December, at which point the contractors discovered that box of presidential schedules, some with classified markings. But it didn't end there. Trump lawyers wanted a better understanding of the documents and their sensitivity. It was at that point that the junior aide revealed for the first time that she could find out exactly what they were because, oh man, Molly Michael had told her to scan all the schedules onto her laptop. So you have top secret documents being transferred to a laptop. When the Trump legal team told the Justice Department about the uploads, federal prosecutors demanded the laptop and its password, warning that they would otherwise move to obtain a grand jury subpoena, summoning the junior aide to Washington to grant them access to the computer. To avoid a subpoena, the Trump legal team agreed to turn over the laptop in its entirety last month, though they did not allow federal prosecutors to collect it from Mar-a-Lago, and they handed it over to him just outside the gates of the property. Oh, Jesus, man. This is never going to end. I, and and they're, they're, Republicans are still screaming about Hunter's laptop, which didn't have top-secret information, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yesterday, a federal judge ruled Trump and FBI Director Christopher Wray can be deposed in a lawsuit from an ex-FBI agent suing over his 2018 termination. Uh, Peter Strokes lawsuit Struzox Struzox lawsuit 
alleges that Trump's political vendetta prompted his firing and the public release of his texts in violation of his constitutional rights and the Privacy Act. As part of her ruling, D.C. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson said that the uh, Biden White House must decide by late March whether the current president will assert executive privilege over conversations that Trump had directly related to Strzok's firing. Uh, Biden in the past has not exerted executive privilege to protect Trump, so I don't imagine he's going to do it again. The Justice Department tried to block the subpoenas, arguing that Strzok had, uh, hadn't proven Trump played a role in his dismissal, despite Trump's repeated and public calls for Strzok's dismissal. Department of Justice argued it was the FBI's then Deputy Director, David Bowditch, who made the decision to fire him. Eh, we'll see in court if that's indeed what happens. Uh, if the if the president's going to say, do this, do this, do this, on Twitter, you can see that as, as an official statement, right? Uh, federal prosecutors have asked a judge to compel former Vice President Mike Pence to testify in uh, special counsel Jack Smith's investigation. The move comes after Pence was subpoenaed and attorneys for Trump asserted executive privilege over Pence's testimony. As we imagined they would do, right? You and I are smart. We know what's going on. Uh, The battle over the subpoena is playing out under seal in federal court in Washington, D.C. The conservative former judge who advised Pence on how to handle the January 6, 2021 election certification vote is now warning of both the legal and political consequences of Pence's plan to fight the grand jury subpoena. Former Judge Judge J. Michael Ludig says in an op-ed published in the New York Times today, we can expect the federal courts to make short shrift of uh, this Hail Mary claim, and Mr. Pence doesn't have a chance in the world of winning his case in any federal court and avoiding testifying before the grand jury. Uh, yeah, uh, you can't uh, ex- exert executive, you can't exert, exert privilege if there's criminal wrongdoing, if I'm not mistaken. In that we're moving on in this Dominion lawsuit against Fox News, it's getting worse for Fox. A cache of behind-the-scenes messages, texts, emails, including in the uh, legal filings, showed Fox Corp chair Rupert Murdoch called Trump's claims really crazy stuff. And the cable network stars, including Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram, brutally mocked the lies being pushed by the former president's camp, asserting that the election was rigged. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, that's the exact opposite of what they were saying on the air. That's the problem with that. So they knew they were lying. (laughs) It also showed attempts to crack down on fact-checking election lies. On one occasion, Tucker Carlson, Tucker, demanded that Fox News White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich be fired after she fact-checks Trump tweet pushing election fraud claims. Fox News personalities knew everything Trump said was false, but they were faced with daily ratings announcements. Whenever they bolstered Trump's claims, they got more viewers, and whenever they discounted them, they got less viewers. This says more about Fox News viewers than anything else, but we'll get to that. Uh, Behind the scenes, Fox personnel messaged each other saying it was all BS, but went ahead and reported it anyway, including the false Dominion information. 
the news story, the false dominion news story. News organizations are protected if they give the news, but if they knowingly give news that is false, suddenly First Amendment protections may not apply. Uh, Had they believed their own lies, they may have gotten away with it. In one instance, Rupert Murdoch message CEO Suzanne Scott saying everything is at stake here was seeming uh, panic about the growing anger of the core viewership. Those Trump loyalists were enraged after the network accurately predicted on election night that Biden had won Arizona, a key battleground state. Fox's ratings were sliding radically as MAGA Nation moved towards smaller outlets that were even more unhinged from the facts. They were losing viewers for telling the truth. Fox was losing viewers for telling the truth. They had to change. Republican viewers wanted to be lied to. They want to be asleep and ignore the truths around them. Fox News ignored the truth simply because the truth costed them money. Because of this, Fox News could lose a couple of multi-billion dollar lawsuits which might make them more responsible in their news reports in the future? You think? We'll see. (laughs) Rupert Rupert Murdoch got ousted. I mean, could he get ousted? For, For promoting this and causing these problems and causing billions of dollars in losses? I don't know. As you know, The Justice Department is targeting Google's search engine business. Department of Justice said in a filing in District of Columbia Federal Court, despite Google's promises to preserve internal communications relevant to the suit for years, the company maintained a policy of deleting certain employee chats automatically after 24 hours, alleging that the practice has harmed the U.S. government's case against the tech giant. The filing said Google's daily destruction of written records prejudiced the U.S by depriving it of rich source of candid discussions between Google executives, including likely trial witnesses. Google said in a statement, we strongly refute the Department of Justice claims. Our teams have uh, conscientiously worked for years to respond to inquiries and litigation. In fact, we have produced over 4 million documents in this case alone and millions more to regulators around the world. You know, 4 million documents sounds like a lot, but I have a million, a half million easily on my computer, right? Uh, What about your computer? How many documents do you have sitting on your desktop right now? (laughs) The U.S. government said in its filing, through a setting in its chat software, Google employees can save chat history for up to 18 months, but only if the setting is manually enabled. Adding that Google routinely trained and encouraged employees to discuss sensitive topics topics over chat messages they knew would be auto-deleted the next day. Yesterday's Department of Justice filing also cites the EPIC evidentiary hearing. EPIC. When I say EPIC, I don't mean grand. I mean EPIC Games. Uh, who, uh, uh, um, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> saying, saying that the EPIC uh, um, uh, evidentiary hearing proved Google destroyed records of at least nine individuals who were even considered potential trial witnesses and that the federal judge overseeing that case agreed the chats could have contained relevant evidence, but that Google did not systematically 
preserve those chats. Epic Games, uh, maker of the hit video game Fortnite, and is in a separate antitrust case related to Google's App Store. Uh, as they are with, uh, remember they had a pro, uh, uh, with uh, 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 with Apple's App Store, right? Uh, the two sides faced off in an evidentiary hearing last month. On February 15th, the judge in the case ordered Google to produce more chat messages, which, of course, they probably can't because they deleted them. <laughs> uh, there seems to be a history of Google destroying evidence for multiple lawsuits. Well, it's Friday! That's it. Thanks for listening. Friday, February 24th, 2023. Friday, February 4th, 2023. Uh, Remember, since it is Friday, don't forget to look for Friday's flaming bag of crap when a politician leaves it on your doorstep. Some news he wants it to to, uh, disappear in the 24-hour news cycle. Man, do I appreciate you coming every day. It's so nice of you. Thank you. Uh, Bring someone with you today or this weekend. That would be awesome. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on the Twitter. And remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles. Thank you.